So um, this morning, I also received in my email the very first newsletter from our Bishop Johnson, and it was very fortuitous that I actually read it this morning um, rather than waiting until after, after worship and going home and reading it, because she has, as I said earlier, a recommendation for all of us. She is encouraging us to read the Bible in its entirety this year, um, all of us, everyone in the conference, to start and, and go through the whole thing. And uh, as thank you gifts to our leadership uh, who served last year, chair people of committees and, um, and the lay leaders, I gave either, I gave Doug a book of devotions um, that he could take with him on his back and forths to Boston. Um, and to uh, the women, I gave this book called Inspired by Rachel Held Evans. And um, in it, it talks about how she, it's called, the subtitle is Slaying Giants, Walking on Water, and Loving the Bible Again. Rachel Held Evans was raised in a very, very conservative um, church and was disillusioned by the church. She, she broke away. Um, and then she found her way back and led a movement of um, falling in love with the Bible again and being able to be a faithful person in her own, in her own space and in her own skin that, in a way that felt good for her. She died very unexpectedly, I think less than two years ago, um, very young. And uh, so I'm looking forward to reading this book. And if others would like to join us, um, I invite you to purchase it. Anna, this is your copy because I also bought it for folks who will be taking on leadership roles uh, starting today. Um, so I wanted to let, I also wanted to. Um, kind of invite folks to um, recognize who our new leaders will be in 2023. So we have both our new co-lay leaders, Hazel coming back again. Uh, Sue has retired from that particular position, but she will continue to be our co-chairperson of um, mission and outreach and whatever that's going to entail. <laughs> um, Luann is going to be our new co-lay leader this year. Barb will, um, is our chair of worship. Um, Judy Danielson will co-lead with um, Sue on mission and outreach. Um, Doug is our chair of finance and our treasurer. So he'll, he'll be looking for some help, I'm sure. Um, who else am I missing? Anna is chair of our SPRC. Lynette, who's online, is chair of our trustees. Connie, whose birthday was yesterday and is skiing with her family. She is our ad council chairperson. So um, we have a... Oh, I was getting there. We have a brand new financial secretary. There's <laughs> Terry. Welcome into that role. And um, thank you to the three secretaries who uh, retired this year. So Dot and Emily and Carol. Um, we've got a lot of folks who are willing to step up and step into leadership roles. And my hope is that we can also do that from a place of um, authenticity and um, and let Jesus guide us through the Bible. So, yeah. Go ahead, Barb. Uh, Deb, Emery is going to be Deb Emery will be our secretary. Yeah, I was, yeah, of our ad council. 
Yeah, thank you. So I also thought, well, it's, it's kind of cool that Bishop Johnson said, let's read the Bible from cover to cover because my sermon starts with the very first verses of the very first book. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness God called the light day, and then darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. One of the most beautiful aspects of the creation story for me is that there is only one thing that is not good. That is the void. Nothingness is not good Because God is not in the void. Everywhere God is, that is good. And so it is the void that God changes. Yes, God brings order out of chaos, but God never does away with chaos. Has anyone had chaos in their lives? Please tell me I'm not alone. I heard some giggles, right? God brings order out of chaos, but God does not do away with chaos. God introduces light, but God never does away with the darkness. God does away with nothingness so that everything has a purpose. Everything is good, even the darkness Yet over, over many, many millennia, I think folks have misinterpreted the separation of light from dark as a declaration that the light was good, meaning the darkness must have been bad. Think about all the things in our everyday life that have been attributed to good and evil. What color hat does the good cowboy wear? White. And what color is the bad guy's hat? Black. We have all kinds of phrases in the American vernacular that contribute to this separation, being blackballed or blacklisted. Is that a good thing? Um, How about being the black sheep of the family? Or blackmail? But somehow, if a lie is a white lie, it connotes that that lie is really harmless. I'm not sure what Jesus would say about that. (laughs) Evil things happen in the dark. Darkness is associated with confusion and doubt. But I want to challenge us today to see the goodness of the dark, to find God in the dark. We are all nurtured in the darkness of a womb. A seed 
needs the darkness and nutrients of the earth to germinate and reach its full potential. Our bodies need the darkness to fuel our circadian rhythm and help us to sleep. Giving our brains and our bodies time to heal, recover, and rest. Dark chocolate is so much better than milk chocolate. (laughs) But all kidding aside, ancient civilizations understood better than we do the balance between light and dark and the necessity for both. The goodness of both. There are two days out of the year that are understood to be the most powerful, especially if you are um, if you are someone who attends to um, the powers of nature or um, the Wiccan cultures and, and native indigenous cultures. They understand these to be very powerful, magical days. They are the vernal and autumnal equinoxes. These are the two times of the year when the length of the day and the length of the night are equal to one another. Two days, that's all we get. (laughs) The earth is in perfect balance and harmony in its path around the sun. Those who dwell in the day and those who dwell at night have what they need Neither is favored over another. There is evening and there is morning, day and night, and both are good. But the truth is there is still chaos. Am I right? The truth is that even though God eradicated nothingness, we all know what that can feel like inside to feel a void within us, that something's missing. Maybe you've felt a void in your life when it came to relationships or friends or family. Maybe your void was experienced as you searched for meaning in your life and purpose in your studies or your job. Maybe your life has been one chaotic mess after another in which no option felt like a good choice. We also know all the ways we try to fill that void or to quiet the chaos. And more often than not, those ways are not healthy or helpful. Maybe we're too afraid to stop and ask for directions. Or maybe we think we already know what those suggestions will be and we don't want to go there. As we think about the wise men, the magi, the kings, though if we're really being historically accurate, they were not political rulers. They were religious leaders, prophets, teachers in their own religions and regions. But as we think about these men who understood astronomy and Judaism, otherwise, why ask for the child who was to be born king of the Jews? They knew something about the Jewish scriptures. Some have wondered why they stopped in Jerusalem to see Herod in the first place. They'd been doing just fine following that star. Did they want to pay honor to the current king, knowing that their presence would surely be noticed? 
Was it a courtesy to the puppet ruler put in place by the Roman emperor? Or did they have doubts? Had they been in the dark too long and started second-guessing themselves and their assumptions? Had it taken them so long to get there that they figured surely the child had been brought to the palace or the temple in Jerusalem by now? This was a holy child. We don't know why they stopped in Jerusalem, but we do know they kept going. They continued their journey one step at a time. We know that they found the holy child and did not betray his location to the maniacal King Herod, who also, even uh, in addition to killing all the children in the area uh, below the age of two, also killed his own children because he was afraid they would steal the throne from him. One commentator pondered, Did the wise men speak to another as they rode home? Did they compare impressions, sharing their visions and dreams? Did they ask questions? Did they dare to ask their questions? He thinks, of course they did. They could see it in the child that he was one for questions. He would grow to be asked more questions than anyone before or since. I would add that as Jesus grew, he also asked questions, sometimes answering questions with questions, which is not always helpful. (laughs) For the gospel writer of Matthew, the wise men are a sign pointing beyond themselves, something that gives them meaning and purpose because of who they are a.k.a. Gentiles, they're like us. They're not Jews. And because they found the Messiah. The word epiphany implies a stumbling upon, a glimpse, a revelation, an intuitive perception into the reality or essential meaning of something. Not knowing so much as grasping. Did they fully understand what they had found in this seemingly ordinary child? Or did they simply have a glimpse at the hope this child would bring to the world? In the story, there is some light and some darkness, and it's all good. It's available to anyone, everyone, not just for some. It's for the lowly shepherds and for the wealthy visitors. It's for the locals and the foreigners. It's for those seeking asylum, as Jesus and his family would do right after this encounter. And for those who welcome the immigrant. It's enough to keep us on our journey and to submit to the fact that we do not, nor will we ever, know everything. That was a very big disappointment for me. (laughs) There will always be mystery, which means there will also always be wonder. There will always be chaos, which means there will also always be adventure. This life will never be boring if you live it. (laughs) 
there will be pain, but there will also always be the hope of joy if we are open to receive it. So perhaps it's also about submission. When we admit to the fact that we don't have all the answers, there can also come an acceptance that allows us to make Jesus Lord of our lives. To accept that not everything in life is going to work out the way we'd like it. (laughs) That we have no control over the behaviors of others and decisions of others, even though they have profound impact in our lives. We all know that seeing is believing, but epiphany can be about believing, helping us to be able to see. Submission does not mean we get to stay as we are. Jesus might accept us as we are, just like the song, just as I am, but he expects us to get up and to move too to grow and change. And some may say, you know what? I'm happy with the way I am right now. Thank you very much. And Jesus says, I'm happy with you too, but you can do more. You can do better. He expects us to grow and adapt and change. He calls us to come and see and follow him to live our lives the way he did, eating with sinners, praying constantly, opening our hearts to new epiphanies like the Syrophoenician woman, asking hard questions and seeking answers. He lived the laws in the way they were given by his creator and ours with compassion and love at their center. The same 10 laws that were given as a gift when a covenant was made between God and Moses in the wilderness, those are our laws. And they're all about two things, loving God and loving one another. Jesus broadened the reach of that covenant to include us. That is the true gift of the Magi, the epiphany that the gift of the Messiah is for all. Every gift must be accepted and received. One of the ways we do that in the church is through the ritual of a covenant. It's been a long tradition in Wesleyan churches to renew our covenant to be disciples of Christ on New Year's Eve or day. Back, uh, John Wesley, our little bobblehead here, found a, and experienced a prayer service that was written in the 1600s, 100 years before he was, he was around and leading, and he adapted it and brought it to the uh, Methodist movement. And we, it's been adapted and we have it today in our hymnals. So rather than trying to change ourselves by virtue of sheer willpower, did anyone set resolutions for the new year? We endeavor to change by leaning on the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to invite you to open your hymnals. I'm going to grab mine to page 607. 
And this morning, now John Wesley would say we should be having covenant, we should be having communion as well, but we also have a time limit. This morning, we are going to pray out loud together this covenant prayer in the Wesleyan tradition. Are you ready? Let's pray together. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low by thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Some old words, but some deep truths. This is a true prayer of submission, knowing that no matter what happens to us in this life, ultimately, our lives belong to God, and God belongs to us. Even when we forget God and live our individual ways or in our little family bubbles, God still gives us loving care. Even when we hold on to grudges and demand an eye for an eye, God still forgives us our mistakes and our missteps. Even when we scorn another's lifestyle or identity, God redeems us and God accepts and comforts them. Even when we have lost our way or when the chaos is too much, or we have found a void in our hearts, God will stay with us and guide us to find purpose and meaning again. For our God is the God of the darkness and the light, and it's all good. Thanks be to God. Amen. <laughs> 